Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you for the next couple of hours. Appreciate you spending some of your morning here with the two of us. On the BMW of Des Moines guest list here today, in about 20 minutes, we will uh, take a good look at the AFC and we'll recap yesterday's uh, early game between the Bills and the Chiefs with Nick Athen. PrimetimeSportsTalk.com, a game where the Chiefs covered did so relatively easily, and I'm not sure we've seen the best out of the Chiefs the last few weeks, so we'll get into that with Nick uh, coming up here uh, in about 20 minutes. Nate Bolton, he's an employment attorney, he is a state senator, and he is going to join us to help him out, to help us out uh, with the Iowa situation when it comes to the lawsuit that is a I guess on the precipice of uh, being filed here. That seems like the next step. We'll get into that a little bit with Nate Bolton. We'll also got a couple of other topics. One that Trent alerted, well, me and I think most of our audience too uh, last week, and that's the fact that online gaming is going to be uh, brought up before at the next legislative session. So that'll be on Nate's plate, and he will be opining on that. We'll pick his brain early. What does that mean? Well, Iowa residents may be able to play blackjack online, may be able to play um, poker online, dot, dot, dot. All the casino games may be coming uh, to a laptop near you in our state, right or wrong? We'll talk about that uh, as well with Nate. Uh, Matt Snyder covers baseball, MLB for CBS Sports. We'll preview Game One. We'll preview the World Series uh, with Matt. I think I, I think the right two teams are in the World Series. Maybe Houston would have brought more eyeballs than Tampa Bay, but uh, the Rays are a fun team to watch. Uh, obviously, the Dodgers, and we will talk about that. And then Zuba Mahente, our friend from ESPN Radio, uh, will join us to recap the show and as we do every tuesday with zubin we go around the world of sports how are you trent condon doing pretty well fun uh fun afternoon of football is this something that in the next television negotiations we i mean can we see a doubleheader on monday i mean who doesn't like this well plenty of people like it i think more than anything it depends on how it rates and the next window when we negotiate how many people are still going to be working at home at that time uh-huh. how many people are going to be able to flip on a game at four o'clock central two o'clock pacific would you let me let me ask you as a sports fan would you rather have a double dip on monday at the mm-hmm. expense of the thursday game or monday standalone thursday standalone because we know that there's a college game that kind of takes a back seat on Thursdays. Yeah, normally. and the Thursday package has taken such a but, precipitous fall from what it you once re- was. Well, you, just, you just said the, the key words, what it once was. Mm-hmm. Before the NFL took that real estate, yes. there were some Power 5 games that would play on um, on Thursday night. So Virginia beating Florida State, the first ACC loss. I remember that Thursday night. Iowa 90s. State, Texas. Yeah, there were some... Really, really good mm-hmm. gains in that spot. And I'm sure some power conference, would not want the that. SEC or the Big Ten, but right. 
ACC Big 12 Pac-12. Although, you know what, Trent? In today's era yeah. of uh, broke, not broke, but certainly not as flush with cash as athletic departments and conferences once were, maybe they'll uh, do an about face. So make the call. Do you want to double dip on Monday in a standalone college football game Thursday or leave it as is? As is. I like Monday, Thursday. Okay. Monday, Thursday is mine. Now, if you said, how about adding another game on a Tuesday? Now I'm listening a little bit more. Well, we get Maction. But I raise my hand. I love it. You're the guy. I'm the one. Yeah, Yeah. you do too. Maybe you bet it, but maybe don't worry. Maybe you don't watch. I don't watch it. Yeah, but by the time we get into November and college basketball normally is starting, it doesn't do a whole lot. I would rather watch a random Providence. Cal, non-conference basketball game as opposed to Maction. That is random, Trent. On a Tuesday night. I don't know where those two teams I'm are I'm not sure together. either. I don't know why those two teams popped into my mind. That's but a plane trip for whoever has yes. to travel. Yeah, uh, meet, meet in the Midwest right here, uh-huh. probably right in the middle. Speaking of that, I was uh, taking a look at the multi-team events for college basketball. Mm-hmm. We uh, were just Thanksgiving talking, weekend, right? Yeah, it'll start. First games can be played Wednesday, the day before. So, Drake right now, they are scheduled to play in Manhattan, Kansas. They're calling it the Little Apple Classic Mm -hmm. is where they'll be playing. They open up with K-State. That will be the opener for them. On Wednesday night? On Wednesday night. Awesome. Then on Friday, they'll be taking on South Dakota State, who will also be in that event. So that has already... I've got football Friday. that, That has been announced, though, of what's going to be happening there. Iowa will be playing their MTE at Carver Hawkeye Arena. The other two teams there... Southern and North Carolina Central. Now, mm. NC Central mm. is actually a really good team from the MIAC. They've won that conference, I think, for the last six years. So that is a good program. Still, it's a team from the MIAC. <laughs> right. and they're not going to be very good. And uh, you and I also involved in one of these events. There's 11 teams now scheduled to play in Lincoln, Nebraska at their multi-team event. Is that event. a fact? Elevate Hoops is who is sponsoring it. But uh, some of the big wigs that are there, of course, Nebraska, LSU, um, Nevada, going over? Oklahoma State will be there. No Creighton. St. Louis, who's been a yeah. pretty good program, too. Yeah. Western Kentucky, another pretty good mid-major. Cleveland State, some of the other teams there. But 11 all told right now that are scheduled for that event. I'm not sure what the scheduling is going to look like. This thing goes for a week, though. It starts that Wednesday, the 25th of November, and goes through the following Wednesday. So, chance to get a lot of games That's in. Great. And for you and I, they need to get yep. LSU yep. and Nebraska and one of the other good majors, Not maybe St. Louis on there. Say, many opportunities yes. other than these uh, multi-team events, these MTEs. Well, that's great. And that's really good news that on Wednesday night, because usually there's NHL's going by then, and there's, yeah. a, there's a hockey game on uh, the day before Thanksgiving. Uh, there's something that gets your attention. Well, this has got my attention, Drake uh, and K-State the day before. And we don't have tip times or anything this far, no, no, do we? No. Nothing like that. All right, so let me ask you this, Trent, because I think I downplayed a story that maybe is bigger than I originally thought it was going to be. And full disclosure... I want to talk about the Hawks in Mm -hmm. Purdue, as I I said yesterday. And I think my phrase was, I really don't want to give the story much oxygen. But the more that I read into this, I think that there's something here. And it's a money grab. I mean, let's put that right out there to begin with. It's clearly a money grab. They're demanding $20 million. $20 million and three heads on a silver platter, which they're not going to get. But the money part... I think, and I don't know what they're, I mean, I don't know if it's 20 million, and I don't know if there can be other players join this lawsuit in progress. This is one of the reasons we want to have Nate Bolton on, right? We are way over the tips of our skis when it comes to these legal things. Not that we can't offer an opinion, and I'm about to, and I'm sure you will too. 
I think that, uh, that the University of Iowa is going to end up writing a check in this thing, and here's the reasons behind it. And do I think that they, that Iowa has learned from their mistakes? I really want to believe that. And the proof is in the, pu- in the pudding, and actions speak louder than words, and those are both cliches, but they're both absolutely spot on when it comes to this. Have they made changes? Yes. But when you fire Chris Doyle as they did, and they write him a check, they're admitting that they had a problem within their program. If I go to a restaurant and I get a bad meal, and there's a whole bunch of guys that followed, not just the same night as me, but whatever, uh, this restaurant, for whatever reason, maybe there's a cook behind the counter and he's doing something to our food. We fired the cook. Well, that doesn't mean that I'm not going to file a lawsuit and there's going to be a lot of people. Or if I'm, there's a rogue doctor out there or dentist or whatever, um, and they, the board of the, the hospital board gets rid of this rogue doctor for what he's doing, that doesn't mean that the patients aren't going to file a lawsuit just because you tried to make amends. And we believe that you did. But that doesn't mean that I shouldn't be compensated for what I went through. And these players feel, and they've got now legal representation behind them, that they were wronged, and they are going to, in the next couple of days, because the deadline to make these changes has come and gone, I feel that there's going to be a lawsuit, and the statute of limitations is certainly something that's going to come up. But Trent, I think that these guys have a legitimate chance. It's a money grab. To get paid. To get that money. To get that money. I don't think that there's no way in hell that uh, the, the, the demands for Barta and both Ferences to be fired are going to be met. Right. That's not going to happen. Is there going to be... And here's the other th- part about this. In the day and age that we're in right now, with athletic departments, we just mentioned about you know maybe teams will have an about-face when it comes to playing on Thursday if television dictates that you know this is good for you financially. Um it's not the time to be writing checks out of the athletic department. It really isn't. And you combine that with Barda's body of work. Mm-hmm. I mean, the seven point million or seven million, whatever it was, for the field hockey program. Um, this is his watch, and here we go again, going down this road. Can you see a path to um, these guys at least getting some sort of settlement? Right now, I can't. I, I can't. I, I feel like. Would the- you take this if you were a lawyer? And they came to you? <laughs> if I was a lawyer and they're trying to hire me, they're in deep, deep trouble because, like you said earlier, over the tips of your skis, I just I don't have a feeling about what it is and where this money comes from and, and why this program was so terrible. And then two years later, I three agree. years later, five yes. years later, this starts to come out. This year, and now Wadley we're was seeking tra- money. Wadley was trying to get his brother in there as recently as this year. Right. Cavante Martin Manley, who you see all the time trying to hawk. Signed footballs. Mm-hmm. He's contacted me multiple times. Hey, could I come on your show and try to sell merchandise? He has asked me those kind of things. These mm-hmm. are the people we're talking about. There's nothing see- wrong with that, though. No, no, but he's seeing another lifeline here. Uh-huh. Oh, a chance to get money, to make uh-huh. money out of this. And ultimately, what I really care about, all right, they get a settlement. I really care about Purdue and Iowa, but You're this right. is a bigger st- this 5, is a story. 5, 10, 15, 20, whatever it turns out to be, they get a settlement. Okay. Uh-huh. Does it impact me? No. Nope. Does it impact Iowa? That's the question mm-hmm. that concerns me. Mm-hmm. Is this something we saw yesterday, a decommitment mm-hmm. of the 2021 recruiting class? Is this something that is going to hurt the program going forward? Because ultimately, this is funny money we're talking about. The $7 million that went to Grease Bomb, okay. The millions of dollars that are paid out if there's a settlement that happens here, okay. Does it, hurt? Does it impact me? Are my season tickets going to go up? No, I don't am, think Am so. I going to have to pay more for whatever it may be? Is my T-shirt going to be 
five bucks more? No. No. And, and that ultimately what it comes back to. Maybe it's very selfish. Maybe it's very short-sighted. Look, and, I'm a selfish fan too, Trent. But that's the reality for uh-huh. me. Does it impact me? Uh-huh. Not really. Is it going to... Is it going to hit my bottom line? No. No. Then I ultimately, I don't care. If it hurts the football program, yes. If it doesn't... I think it's going to hurt the athletic department because, I, like I said, I, I could see a pathway to these guys getting a check written. Because when you admit, essentially admit that there was wrongdoing in your program and by, by writing Chris Doyle a check... Um, who seem to be the focal point of all of the um, of, of the majority of the players that came forward. So we'll see where it goes. Again, mm-hmm. I think it's a bigger story that I just kind of brushed off yesterday. Um, I thought that I, honestly, when when the story came out, when Leistikow wrote the story on Sunday night, I thought it was the players' attorneys that leaked that to Chad. It was the University of Iowa. As we found out yesterday when the rebuttal came back from the Oklahoma-based attorney that's representing the players, that it was Iowa who leaked the story to Chad Leistico. Now, that's, I mean, that's an assumption on my part that that's how Chad got it. Mm-hmm. But how else would he? I mean, that's not Freedom of Information Act. And I think if that would have been part of it, Chad would have put that in his story. I think that Iowa funneled that story to the Des Moines Register. And not that there's anything wrong. I'm not, no, I'm no. not you know, pointing fingers. But they thought that the register would be the best pathway to, to get that out. Yesterday was the deadline for this to for them to either fire the player or fire the coaches and pay and and pay the players or we're going to file a lawsuit. Um so on Sunday knowing that the deadline's the next day, I will put that out there. They received the letter on the 5th of October. Would it have mattered if they would have made this public, you know, a couple of weeks ago? Here we are in game week. Did they do themselves would they have done themselves better by getting that out earlier? Maybe it wears off a little bit because now I think when we turn on the television at 2.30, at some point during the broadcast, maybe I'm wrong, uh, this is going to come up. But it maybe would have come up regardless. Well, I don't know. That's my question. And It would have had a couple of weeks to breathe a little bit if they would have put that out earlier. If this comes out last week, though, what are we talking about all week long? With Iowa State being off last week, of course, still no uh, Iowa football point. at that point. Fair point. We would have had even more fuel added here. and. We're not alone. We want to talk about the game, mm-hmm. and people want to hear about the game, and, and they right. want to hear about this upcoming season. Because of that, this just might be a whole... Now, a little bit of credence to what you said, and I thought about this. When you go back to the settlement that was paid uh, to Jane Meyer mm-hmm. and Tracy Griesbaum, mm-hmm. they went to court. Yep. They went to court, and they went through everything, Yep. and they lost. Who did? The University of Iowa. Right. And because of that, are they maybe a little bit more Gun open shy? to a settlement yeah. now, as opposed to... In the past, if this was a standalone, and this was not hanging out there, the $6.5 million that they paid out, Mm -hmm. if that is the the case, university, I think, would be a lot more willing. We'll see in court. Yeah. But now with this already there, Mm -hmm. let's just make this go away. And this is Barta's athletic department, Trent, and when it boils right down to it, that was homophobic. Mm -hmm. It was their claim, and that's what they settled on. This is racism, as we know, and that came out in the independent law firm um, that, that looked into this does not look a good look for the uh, for the athletic department therefore I, I that's a great point I think that they might be more willing to let's just make this go away mm-hmm. a little bit more gunshot uh-huh. as you said and is this a money grab it absolutely <laughs> is. is but if you get a bad meal you got a bad doctor are you not going to you know exercise your rights and you had a bad experience and you had a bad experience 
Uh, and this is a very litigious society. And you see all these class action lawsuits going around and, oh, this happened to me. But you know what? I'm just not going to put my name on it. Of course you're going to, for the most part. I would be surprised if you don't. I would be surprised if anybody doesn't. I'm not talking to you. I'm yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Stop um, hollering at me over there. Yeah, right. <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. Let's talk about the World Series, and let's talk about uh, the two NFL football games last night. My biggest takeaway from last night in the NFL was how bad the Dallas Cowboys looked and how bad the Dallas Cowboys are and how bad the NFC East is. And, oh, my God, somebody's going to get a home team for winning a home game for winning that division. And, Trent... This may be one of these historical years. We've seen a 7-19 and host. Uh-huh. We may not get a 7-win champion of a division to represent them. I mean, well, think about that. They have to play each other. That's and the good news. There's six games against each other That's that you play the good in divisions. But if so, you split... If you split, there's three wins. <laughs> right. 6-10, and 6-9-1 maybe for the Eagles. It. They already got that tie against who's, Cincinnati. Who's the best team in that division? It's still Dallas. Is it? It is. Based on what? Andy Dalton was putrid. He was bad, but he was good the week before. Ezekiel Elliott couldn't hold on to the football. That defense couldn't stop me. But how often do we talk about overreaction? We were having the same type of conversation, how awful the 49ers were. Well, we had that conversation after week one of Iowa State. Yes. And here they are undefeated in the Big 12. These conversations, the overreaction Uh week to week, which makes football great. And makes sports talk fun. But there's also the other side. I didn't say great. I said fun. Yes. (laughs) And... The Cowboys are still the most talented team, even losing tackles and your center mm-hmm. and your quarterback mm-hmm. and your tight end. And your defense is atrocious. It's awful. But out of that group, who else would you like? I don't know the answer you know, to The Eagles question. comeback against Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Tease you a little bit? It was kind of a fake comeback, though. Well, they were close. They, they were. It was two-point conversion away. Mm-hmm. It was a terrible play call, but still. Yeah. <laughs> but, but watching a little bit of that game, and again, it was just kind of red zone that I saw it. You hate to say letting up, but it almost felt that was Baltimore. We're yeah, we'll coast into the victory. Mm-hmm. I'm not over. I'm not going to buy in too much to the Eagles. I, speaking of that, we'll be doing our television show on MediaCom tomorrow. I'd have to take a look at those odds to win the NFC East. Oh, someone's going to some. So I looked ahead. Where to, would you put your money? If say, I, I say the Cowboys are. I don't know. Minus one fifty. Two to one for the Eagles. I think I would take Philly. And six to one for the other two. I think I would take Philly. You take Philly? I think I would if I had to. If I was forced to, you just forced me to. I think I would take Philly. Yeah. I looked ahead to Thanksgiving. You did? Yes. We got a good slate. No. Oh, no. You know what the, well, the early game is Houston at Detroit, which Oof. is, you know, putrid on its best day. And then the the late afternoon game. Cowboys hosting your Washington football team. Oh, no. Yes. What do we get late that no, night? No, that makes up for it. Okay. Baltimore-Pittsburgh. Ooh. Yeah, now that's juicy on NBC. But as Mike Florio once told me, um, and he was 100% right, I don't know if it was the uh, Brinson era, the Peralta era, uh, but it was here. It doesn't matter who they put up against Detroit or against Dallas because the country is going to watch. Yeah. And it's not going to draw one more set of eyeballs if they would have been a marquee matchup because the country's going to watch whoever we're fed on Thanksgiving because the family's going to be gathered. The smell of the turkey's going to be permeating through the entire house. The television's going to be on and we're going to be watching football. Maybe not glued, but the TV is going to be on. And that's the case this year. I mean, you're not going to watch 325 because it's the Redskins. I mean, the watch, pardon me, the Redskins gets it again. Washington and the Cowboys, of course you're going to watch. Yes, unless there's some good college basketball. 
Yeah, it's football. Well, yeah. this, see, I'm different. I'm different that way. Now, are Iowa, Iowa State, Drake, are you and I part of Thanksgiving? They might be. Well, if they are at night, I'm not watching them because I'm watching the Steelers and the Ravens. What if it's a just a good game, a top 25 type of matchup? Uh, Indiana's taking on Louisville. You watching uh, that? Or are you watching Washington, Dallas? And it's ugly. It's part of our fabric to watch yeah. football. I'd rather watch good college basketball. I know I'm, I'm kind of I'm alone on that. College basketball is my favorite sport, I know. and because of that, things are a little bit different. At least from mm-hmm. my vantage point, I know where I'd be. There's a compelling basketball game. That's where I will be, as opposed to bad football. Will there be basketball on Thanksgiving? Do they or yeah. do they take the day off? I think they'll play. They they're going to try because they got to get games in. Yeah, I mean I know they'll play Black Friday. Yes, yeah, there'll be plenty of games plenty over the weekend. Of a ton, right? Of games also getting there. But no, I think you're going to see basketball on Thanksgiving and college wise. With all these conferences trying to get games in, maybe they look at that opportunity and say, you know what? We were going to play on Saturday and get lost in the shuffle or even Black Friday. How about we move the game up to Thursday? Maybe Thursday night. There's not going to be many people in attendance uh-huh. anyway, and that's what you normally mm-hmm. worry about to put about putting college well, game. The, at that the Egg Bowl's not this Thanksgiving. The Egg Bowl, Mississippi, Mississippi State is always. There's currently two games scheduled, both Mountain West games. New Mexico, Utah State, and Colorado State Air Force. A few more conferences say, you know yeah, what? Maybe we got an opportunity. Maybe here. because Black Black Friday's getting full. I mean, there there's way more games. If you're Rutgers Purdue, that that game is scheduled for that Saturday. Is that what that day? Geez. Well, if you're BTN, a little count on programming here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not bad. Heck, if you're Fox, you put that up after you finish up with the Washington game. You're going head to head with a good NFL game, mm-hmm. or maybe early. Mm-hmm. You put that game at noon. Put the game at eleven o'clock. Well, it's not, it's not the shiniest slate during no. the day, but I know what I'm going to be watching. I know what I'm going to try and do right now. Trent and I would love to put a thousand dollars in somebody's pocket. It's time for that thousand dollar handoff. Text the keyword "bills" to two hundred two hundred right now. It's your chance to win a thousand bucks. Bills to two hundred two hundred. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right, uh, we will hear from Nick Athen next. Nate Bolton, an employment attorney, also a state senator, will pick Nate's brain about ten minutes before the hour of eleven. Do a good World Series preview at eleven oh five, and then Zubin, Trent, and I around the world of sports at eleven. 25 with our friend from ESPN. Miller and Condon with you until noon. Thanks for spending some of your morning with us on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, and to learn more. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back. 1030 Tuesday morning. Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Nate Bolton coming up in about oh, 15, 20 minutes, somewhere in that vicinity. Right now, Nick Athen, primetimesportstalk.com. Uh, if you are a fan of sports, and I'm assuming you are, if you're listening to this radio program and you want to kill some time, whatever your sport, whatever your team, primetimesportstalk.com. Uh, Nick, Trent, and Ken, thank you for coming on as we take a look back at last night and a look forward to Broncos Chiefs. 
This is your week, brother. Yes, uh, it yeah, is. No, good to be. It's good to be on. Good to be with you. You know, let's uh, b- backwards. Obviously, before we go forwards, I really don't want to talk about the Denver game. <laughs> I'm curled up in a fetal position, knowing what's about to oh, unfold. Uh, but last night, you know, Nick, honestly, the last two games, and I said this to you last time we spoke, I don't feel like the Chiefs are playing their best football. Then they're winning, but you look up the scoreboard at the end of the game. They're up. They yep. win by eighteen. They win by twenty-one. They win convincingly, is my point. And and I don't know if they look to me as good this year as they did last year. And they're still dominating. Yeah, you know they're just um, you know they're adjusting on the fly. I mean the Raiders exposed them a little bit That's after Belichick exposed them, and back to back weeks they kind of struggled throwing the ball, and they were one and one in those games, and then. You know, everybody thought the same this time, and what they do, they come out and play smash-mouth football uh, without Le'Veon Bell, who's going to be playing this Sunday in Denver. Um, it, it's just remarkable. I mean, I've said this on your show, I've you know, for the last couple of years, you, the Chiefs offense has yet to play a game with Patrick Mahomes under center of more than two-and-a-half quarters plus where they've just been dominant. You know, they've had periods where they struggle, and then last night they kind of flipped the switch. I mean, I don't think anybody felt the Chiefs were going to lose this game. I don't think uh, they thought Buffalo was going to come back and score again. I don't think I – mean, they just knew they were going to run the ball down their throat because they'd done it all, all game long. And to do it with a, with a no-name offensive line, you know, plus uh, minus Eric Fisher, was just a remarkable coaching job by Andy Reid, probably one of yeah. his best in Kansas City. And, 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 and my point is, I think that's the best the Chiefs looked for four quarters offensively in the Patrick Mahomes era, and they didn't throw the ball a lot. Mm. Uh, little NFL breaking news. The Miami Dolphins have named Tua Tagliavoa as their starting quarterback. Mm. So he comes oh. in, plays the final series, threw a couple of passes, <clears throat> handed the ball off a couple of times. That's all Flores needed to see. Fitz, sit down. Tua, it's Bell your tickets. team. Yeah, look, I think it's the right move, especially when you see what the two quarterbacks draft. Herbert, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, what what he's doing. Um, so they they got to go that way. Sorry, Trent. No, no, yeah, no, no problem at all. So we're picking nits here with this team, and that's yeah. what you do when you're a Super Bowl champion. You're playing winning football throughout. But here's some Bucker. We've seen him win yes. games. We've seen him, but another yeah. missed extra point. You're not hitting the panic button, but. What could be done? It's a kicker we're talking about here. You don't want to get in the guy's head. Your thoughts on Harrison Bucker? You know, I think he got some of his press clippings in his head. He's got he's got the Tom Watson yips right now. And when it comes to extra points, and I think that, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, you got to remember, too, he's got a new holder. You know, Dustin Colquitt was rock solid as the holder. And, but he was the holder know. when he kicked all those 58 yarders against the Chargers, wasn't he? I know. And it just, it just takes time. And there was, some, you know, the wind and the surface. I'm not going to make excuses. I mean, obviously, they, they pushed the extra point back. But it shouldn't be what, oh, is he going to make it or miss it? And I think that he's just got to he's just got to refocus. I'm, you know, mm-hmm. Dave Tobb's a great, you know, special teams coach. They'll get it figured out. Um, you know, Newsom didn't quite turn the ball the way it should have been. You know, he likes the laces forward, and they were kind of to the side. And, you know, sometimes they just they forget the automation and the mechanics of, you know, just here it's a really simple process to kick an extra point. And I'm not too concerned about it. He's still one of the best kickers in the NFL. You know, when, when he needed that field goal to seal the game, he made it. Yep. Uh, you know, he had a couple of big field goals in the second half. Granted, they weren't long ones, but um, I'm, not, I'm not concerned about him at all. I'd rather have the yips now than not. Later in the year. Uh, what's the, I guess, is it too early for an update on Mitchell Schwartz? I'm sure they'll do some uh, an MRI today. But the offensive line with the, with Osemele being out and they're shuffling some guys around. I know they really liked Al, I'm going to 
butcher his name, Allegretti, who looks like he's right. he's a tough SOB uh, at that yep. guard spot. But what about the offensive line, Nick, for a team that now looks as though they want to run the football as the uh, defenses are trying to take that deep ball away from Mahomes? You know, that was the best offensive line I've seen in Kansas City in a single game probably since the Vermeil era, just from a smash-mouth perspective. Um, you know, Gretty's a guy they drafted last year very high in him. Uh, they drafted the kid from TCU who bailed on him. Um, you know, they had a new center. They had a new right guard. They had a new right tackle. Um, the issue with Schwartz is, you know, he's really been banged up a lot the last couple of years. You know, kudos to him and gutting it out and still playing at an all-pro level. Um, but he could be out a while. So expect the Chiefs to, you know, maybe look at offensive linemen here before the trade deadline, maybe add a little bit more depth. But I think the five guys that played last night, honestly, represent the Chiefs' best five offensive linemen at their respective positions. Um, you know, Veach has been pretty aggressive. You know, he's signed some veterans already. He's probably going to have to add at least one more. Um, you know, who knows? There's going to be a lot of fire sales. I mean, the Jets are talking fire sale. Um, already. Uh, there's some other teams out there that are going to be looking for draft picks. So, uh, fortunately, you know, the Chiefs, uh, you know, are, are showing a willingness to improve the roster. Uh, you know, I, I, I think that Schwartz is probably going to be out a few weeks, if not more, if this is a serious back issue. But he's been playing hurt. And honestly, he hasn't really played well this year. And uh, that's not something you can say for the last eight, nine years of his career. But uh, there seems to be something else going on there. So, I think that's why the Chiefs have addressed some uh, off-season moves with adding more offensive linemen. Talking Chiefs right now with Nick Athen here on Miller & Condon KXNO. Want to jump into the running game. We finally see Edwards Hilaire (laughs) unleashed. And it felt like, really, the first uh, part of the season, it hadn't quite been to that level yet. Is is this Biennemi and Reed finding a little bit more, finding the strengths of him, or... Just one of those games where really the way the game went dictated, this was going to be more of a running game. Well, I think it's a combination of both. I mean, I think that, you know, Reed and Biennemi, you know, saw what these defenses were doing, you know, figured out what Buffalo was going to probably do, and they came out with a completely different game plan for them to adjust to, and they never adjusted. I mean, they they they, they, they took two of their starters out on, D, on the defensive line uh, because they thought the Chiefs were going to be pass-happy, um, and that didn't happen. So I think I think what you have to look at is, you know, Hilaire, he's a rookie. You know, I know people draft him in the, anywhere between number one and number 10 in their fantasy drafts, but he is a rookie. You know, he's, he's got to learn the offense. You know, it's just not going to be handed to him. Um, and now what you saw last night was the kid that said, okay, they just signed Levy and Bell. They think he's going to take my job. It ain't going to happen. I'm going to go prove myself. And the other two running backs as well. Um, you know, Williams and, and, and played well, and Thompson played well last night. So, I mean, this is a huge, huge bonus for the Chiefs. If they can run that football, that means that defense is going to be on the field less and less. And when the Chiefs' defense is on the field less and less, they're better and better. Um, And I think they just kind of had a regroup. I I think that Raiders loss was the best thing that happened to this team. I think it's the best thing that happened to the organization. It got them off that pedestal and said, you know what, guys? We're not working hard enough. We're not doing things hard enough. We need to make some changes. Let's do it now. Fix it. And they go into Buffalo, and a lot of people thought, Buffalo's going to win this game, and they had a better setup, but it just didn't happen that way. And 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 Bien-Ami is going to be the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons. Mark my words, <laughs> it's a done deal. It's going to happen. And and Andy Reid just just flipped the script. And everybody's talking today. Oh my God, if the Chiefs run the ball like this, who's going to beat them? And then they still have to worry about well, when is Patrick going to throw again? And you know, again, no Watkins. I mean, Harden was a no show last mm-hmm. night. You know. 
Brian Pringle had to come in and save the day. And this is the guy who always comes in and saves the day when he gets his, you know, two or three minutes of fame in a game and gets his four or five plays. So, listen, this was brilliant coaching last night. And I think, I think if this continues and the Chiefs are able to run the ball and that offensive line has that mauler mentality, which we haven't seen and can't see in a really long time, nobody's beating this team again this year. It's just not going to happen. Uh, they play Tampa Bay on Thanksgiving weekend. I think that's uh, going to be a dinger. But anyways, uh, we'll save that for down the road, Nick. Um, so yep. Pittsburgh, Baltimore, and Tennessee, those three looks like the three teams in the AFC that are poised to give the, the Chiefs uh, a run for their money and prevent them from getting back to the to the Super Bowl. Of those three, Steelers are are five and zero. Oh, so are the Titans. Uh, the Ravens. Right. We saw that game on Monday night in Week Number Three, and it didn't go well for the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, of those three, who, who do you think um, provides them with the you know the worst matchup of the three? Who do you who do you think that the Chiefs don't want to see out of that trio? Uh, no question in my mind, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger has owned the Chiefs in the postseason. Um, yeah, he's not the same quarterback he was, you know, when, when Bell was there and, and Antonio Brown was there. And, you know, they had those guys that were just, just mauling it offensively and defensively. I mean, but, but Ben Roethlisberger, to me, is the one quarterback of the three that I don't want to play. And the, the defense. Have taken care of, yeah, they, yeah, and the defense. That's the best defense in the NFL, and there's not even a close second right now. I mean, they are top to bottom. I mean, they lost Devin Bush, which is going to be huge yep, for them. Good point. Because he was the guy that called the plays. He was there. He was their linebacker. He was the guy that ran that defense in the middle. That's going to be a huge loss. It's going to be interesting to see how they recover from that loss. That was probably the one guy on defense next to Fitzpatrick that they absolutely could not lose. But to me, um, the Titans are a great team, a great great team, offense, defense, great head coach. Finally got a coach coming out of New England and knows what he's doing. Um, he's turned into a terrific head coach, has turned that organization around. Tannehill's playing lights out. They've got pound for pound the toughest running back in the NFL and Derrick Henry. Yep. But to me, you can scheme those guys. Roethlisberger and and Tomlin, you know, those are two guys combined that can beat anybody on any given Sunday. And I picked them to win the division. I told you that at the beginning of the year. Mm-hmm. The Ravens, to me, they should have lost to the Eagles. Had, had the Eagles had any of their wide receiver starters um, out there in that football game, I, I think they win that football game. I don't think they're as good as last year. But to me, if I'm Kansas City, I don't want to go to Pittsburgh for the AFC Championship game, and I don't want Pittsburgh coming to Kansas City for the AFC Championship game. So winning that number one seed is going to be huge, huge for Kansas City. But to me, I don't want to face the Steelers, at least not right now. 22% capacity on the road again this week for Denver. Do you anticipate the Chiefs going to look to open that up even more, or is that more likely going to be the number going forward for the rest of this year? As far as running the ball goes, no, no, no. Twenty-two percent in the building attendance at Arrowhead. Oh, oh, oh it's going to go up. But don't don't get me started on the whole political thing. Um, you know, a- after the election, promise, I we won't. <laughs> I think you're going to see attendance grow quite significantly after the election. But all that said, I, I think the capacity is going to grow. Um, you know, I, I think the NFL has done a really good job, as best as it yeah. can, under the circumstances. Um, there's going to be breakouts, and and you know. Uh, you know, uh, listen, this thing is going to pass through 95% of the country no matter what we do. And so I, I think we want some normalcy. I think the NFL is going to be that 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 uh, mechanism that brings us all some normalcy. But I do yeah, but it's the, the states that decide, boys. It's the states. 
So I know it's the state, but 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 overwhelmingly though, you know, I think the fans are going to speak up, and I think some yeah. things are going to be different. And you know, again, we could have a whole show on politics. We could no, we won't. We will, I'll cut everybody off. I'm not I know doing you it. won't do it. Yeah, I know you won't do it, and I don't like to talk about it either. But you know, I, I think the capacity is going to increase as the season gets older. Because listen, I mean, the Super Bowl's in Tampa this yep. year. Mm-hmm. I don't see any way that they're going to have 25 or 50 percent capacity. Yeah, they're going to have more than that. It may go to 75 or 80, but listen, I mean, I told you guys a long time ago, I've been on your show, it came, what, five, four decades? It's maybe? been a long time. Three decades? Four decades. Nothing, <laughs> nothing kills the NFL. It's kill-proof. There's yep. no bullet. Yep. There's, no, there's no virus. There's no nothing that's going to ever kill the NFL, and they're going to lead the way. And so to answer your question in a long-winded way, the 22% increase is going to increase. You're going to see the Chiefs increase it. Um, you know, come, you know, come to the latter half of the season. So um, I'm all for it. You know, I, I think we just all have to make up our own minds. But at the end of the day, um, fans are going to be clamoring to go watch football games, especially for good teams. And I think I think these teams in these states are going to are going to give in because a lot has to do with the economics of the, uh, 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 of the states as well. Good stuff, Nick Athen. Uh, we will talk to you. Uh, I avoid, avoided the Denver conversation uh, with you, uh, and we'll end it right there. Appreciate it. Good okay, luck. no, no. I'll, I'll give you this. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you some hope. They're going to be healthy for the first time this season. They're going to have a lot of their starters back offensively. Um, I like Locke a lot. I think this is a big game for him. Um, yeah, I, I think this game is going to be a lot closer. A lot closer. It is not going to be a blowout, Kansas City. It'll be a fourth quarter game. Uh, fingers crossed. Thank you, Nick Athen. Appreciate it. All right, buddy. Brian Take care. Take care. Good to talk to you, Nick, as uh, we recap and do a little AFC. Devin Bush might have been Elway's best move of his gen- general manager career. Yeah. He, the Broncos had 10. They dropped back to 20. They, uh, they were going to take Devin Bush. Steelers wanted him. Dropped back to 20. Took no offense. Got a second-round pick, took Drew Locke. Wow. Got a third-round pick this year, took Lloyd Cushenberry, the center from LSU, who is now their starting center. So they drop back 10 slots, get Fant, Locke, and Cushenberry. That's not bad. That's really good. Three starters? Three starters. And including a quarterback. Above average, at the very least, starters. We'll see about Locke. Yeah, true. Yep. The other two? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. They're... Fant's coming back this week, I think. Ooh. I hope it's close. Grabbing Nick, the points. Are you? What, what's the number? Do you know? I haven't even looked. I haven't either because it, it wasn't out yesterday. Obviously, before right. the Chiefs. I'm going to say. Uh, I'm going to guess. Okay, six. Six is your guess in Denver. In Denver, you get nine. You get nine. Hmm. Back to back weeks. Both of us picking the Broncos. Well, we did this week, didn't we? We were both three and two, were we not? Yeah. Uh, we'll take a time out. Nate Bolton will join us. Uh, what does he think the chances of this uh, lawsuit, which is um, hasn't been filed yet, but it certainly seems like it will. We'll also pick his brain as Nate Bolton State Senator. Online gaming is going to be part of the legislative session here in the state of Iowa. What's the likelihood? We'll ask Nate Miller and Condon till noon. Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. All right, welcome back, Miller and Condon. About uh, 10 minutes before the hour of 11 o'clock on Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Nate Bolton's an employment attorney, Hedberg and Bolton here in Des Moines. He's also a state senator, and he joins the program uh, as we cover some ground here. Nate, Trent, and Ken, as always, thank you for uh, being part of our program. I want to start with um, with what we've seen, the back and forth between the law firm representing the eight former Hawkeye players uh, against the University of Iowa. Uh, the list of demands that came out on October the 5th. 
Is is that? Let me start right there with that, Nate. Because in advance of filing the lawsuit, I I mean, it seems you'll know more about it than me. Um, that that letter of demands seems like to me, anyways, that that's kind of out of the ordinary, right? Or is it? Do you do you send a list of demands, and if they're not met, then you file a lawsuit? That seemed out of the norm to me. Yeah. So so it certainly doesn't happen that way on TV shows very often. And but that's I what I go by. <laughs> much. <laughs> much more standard practice in the real world is to see if you can resolve something before you have to file a lawsuit. So a pre-litigation uh, letter acknowledging what, what the claim is about and saying we can avoid litigation if we reach a settlement ahead of time is a fairly normal thing um, in, in daily attorney practice. So that's not abnormal. Um, it's a pretty specific uh, letter. It's it's a lot longer than I would I'd normally see in a, a settlement demand, but there's no mistaking that that both sides probably saw this as something that was going to eventually get out into the news media. Mm-hmm. So a little bit of this is is posturing by both the attorneys for the potential plaintiffs and the university, and their 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 letters are are meant for two audiences. All right, Nate, so we're getting into the weeds here of, of some legalese, but just on the surface, you read through it, you read through this case, what the university uh, comes back with. Does this have a leg to stand on? Is this have a chance to, at the very least, get a settlement? Overall, your initial thoughts as you look through it. Yeah, uh, we'll learn a lot more when an actual petition gets filed at some point to see what the claims really are going to come down to to be presented. But um, initial impressions, number one, um, the biggest concern, I think, for these potential plaintiffs is going to be statute of limitations. Uh Are these claims, in fact, timely? Um, A traditional employment or education civil rights discrimination complaint is going to have a 300-day deadline. And the latest of these events, I think I, I, I read that the latest would be in 2017, 2018. Well, we're well outside of 300 days for any of that. So they've presented some different arguments to get around that very short timeline. Um, they mentioned Title VI, which has kind of a, a, a two-year statute of limitations, basing this on um, denial or, or adverse effects in federal programs and assistance. And then there's the Section 1981 claim that has a four-year statute of limitations based on contract rights. And that that is a little bit dicey for both sides because is your uh, full-ride scholarship or partial scholarship uh, an athletic contract with the university? And if so, uh, are you a contracted athlete or the big question that's been debated about college athletes at this level are you a contracted employee? And if it's an employment contract, it goes back to that 300 days, which would be good news for the University of Iowa to say these claims aren't timely. But the problem is now you've got a federal court saying these are employees, and that opens up all the questions of employment rights, including unionization and everything else that goes with it. So lots of very uncomfortable questions come with this kind of litigation and analyzing how these these relationships truly fit in the, the quote-unquote real world 
of the law. Uh, Nate Bolton, an employment attorney from Hedberg and Bolton, is our guest here on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. want to save some time for the online casino uh, bill uh, that is going to be in front of uh, the legislature this fall. But, you know, as I look at this, Nate, again, um, totally untrained and get my experience, my, my, my takes from TV. Um, but I was damned if they do and damned if they don't when it comes to the Chris Doyle situation, <laughs> right? They had to do something in order to show the public that we do believe that we have to enact change. This is going to be step number one. But having did what, uh, taken the path that they did, it now seems to me that that's kind of an admission that that went on within my pro- within our program. Uh, and that, I think, is going to be something that the uh, that the plaintiff's lawyers, I think, really pick up on. Well, you guys admitted that this goes on because you wrote him a check for $1.1 million to make the problem go away. How big of a problem is Chris Doyle's settlement that's been paid? Well, as an employer, you always want to, to first start with, we hope there's no discrimination happening, right? Um, but when you find evidence of it, you're, as an employer, you have a duty to address it. And so I would say the University of Iowa taking that action is setting up one of its key defenses. And it's going to be as soon as players actually informed us of the problems that they saw in the program, we took action. And the debate now is going to be whether or not that was adequate action once you were made aware of the discriminatory discriminatory practices. And there's a big difference between what the University of Iowa is, is kind of indicating that they are are somewhat willing to admit and address, which is this kind of implicit bias, systemic racism that was not intentional, uh, what we would call in a a legal forum, disparate impact based on race versus disparate treatment. And this letter, this lawsuit seems very focused on disparate treatment, getting treated specifically uh, in, in a negative way because of your race. That's very different from we didn't realize the impact our decisions were having on persons of a specific segment of the population. Now we're saying that we have specific persons that are saying, because of my race, I was formally, intentionally targeted for harsh conduct. That's a big difference. Uh, 30 seconds on this, and I'll give it to Trent for the online stuff. Um, it sounds as though, and, and um, correct me if I'm wrong, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, that it's too early to tell if this thing has a leg to stand on until you've seen the actual claims that are put forth in any lawsuit, which we all seemingly think is coming. That's where you're at, Nate, that you don't know which way it's going to go until you see what's being asked? Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to see how they present these claims, because the, the biggest problem they have is, these, these things happened long enough ago that statute of limitations is going to be an issue. On the flip side, for the University of Iowa, there's clearly evidence that if they can get past that statute of limitations issue, if you file for summary judgment, they, there are facts that if you view them in the most favorable light for these plaintiffs, get you past the questions of, of disparate treatment discrimination. Final thing for you, Nate. We'll get you out on this. Iowa exploring the possibility of adding online online casino gaming, what that means, and uh, the process as you guys will reconvene in the House uh, starting in January. We have 45 seconds, Nate. <laughs> so two things. One, anytime the legislature has been asked about gambling and expanded gambling, the answer has almost always been yes. So we start from that. But this is very early in, in the conversation. Um, some of the traditional gambling advocates in the legislature are a little bit cool to this that I've talked to so far. 
because we've expanded so recently and and frankly there's just enough economic concerns that it might not be the right time to look at this nate bolton hedberg and bolton and state senator nate bolton uh killed uh, two birds with one stone there for <laughs> nate so listen thank you for what you do for us appreciate it we will uh talk you down the road as always thank you nate all right always fun thanks guys. good to talk to you nate bolton hedberg and bolton state senator nate bolton uh, time to talk a little World Series. Game number one is tonight. We'll preview it and then Zuba Mahente from ESPN as we take you until noon on 1460 and 106.3 FM.